Mr. Pop. You can make statistics. Make Dan Andrews a good bro. Oh, gee whiz. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. All right, Houston, we have liftoff. It's another edition of uh, Rock and Roll. My name's Kevin Hillier. Let me introduce you to the gentlemen who uh, join me each week to have a chat about things that are going on in the world, mostly music and football and sport and uh, and life in general. Brian Mannix, rock star extraordinaire. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, what's the problem? <laughs> I don't know. Give me a chance. I'll think of something. Yeah. I'm, I'm, offend- I'm offended. I just need oh. a bit of a moment to work out what I'm offended by. Okay, good, because I've got a couple of things I want you to explain to me, and I'm, I, think, I think you and Finey are just the people to explain a couple of things that have happened this week that, uh, that, that you'll shed some light on it uh, and make my life a lot easier. Mark Fine, uh, from Footyology, from uh, an author, a radio presenter, and, a, uh, and a pool man, all in the one body, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, and all here with us today. Hello, fellas. I tell you what, I was able to turn Good Friday into shit Saturday and even worse Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a story for you, and I blame you, Hillier. I blame you. Oh, okay. I didn't realise I was being implicated into the into the crime and accessory. What am I an accessory before or after the fact? You're a you're an accessory. Before, after, during, and forever. On. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hello. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I had a good week until now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, go on, Finey. What have I done? All right. So, you know, I had a terrible Saturday. That was a shocking. We'll talk about the footy later on and, and fair, you know, fair, fair prop to Essendon. But on Sunday, just a normal day, but I got off the loose in the afternoon, went down to the pub. I thought I'd have a few bets. Yep. Um, and the pub I went to, not a, it's not a pub tab, and it's really just got one of those electronic things you can look at the form. So you very rarely get to do the form for a race. And I had I had sixty bucks on me, so I go in there and they're scoring up somewhere at the top, right, uh, in Victoria. And I put the twenty bucks in the machine, and I hear them scoring up, and I hear there's a horse called Lots of Kevy. Oh, yeah, right. And so we get lots of Kevy on a Tuesday. Oh, I hey. ten bucks on. Didn't even look at it. Ten bucks on lots of Kevy. They're still scoring up, and the friggin' machine says, too late, you know, but I'd missed the, miss the opportunity to back it. Yeah. And they're still, the arms haven't folded back yet. You know, the arms fold back. Yeah. I didn't pay a lot of attention, except it was in behind the leader. And I really didn't look up and what the Kevy was. And then down the straight, it pulled out, and it bloody won the race. Ho-ho! Oh, How much did it pay? Go and check what this friggin' lots of Kevy paid. Oh, no. $100.70. Oh, no! Oh, Jesus! one. Oh. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's awful. Yeah. And when, when, I, when I saw the dividend, I said, if you think that's lots of Kevy... You're about to hear lots of complaining. <laughs> oh. oh, there is nothing more frustrating than when you can't get on. And nine times out of ten, that's exactly what happens. The horse that you pick wins. Um, oh, jeez. I've only ever had one 100 to one winner in my life. And admittedly, I was only going to have ten bucks on it. Yeah. And admittedly, I actually had a good win a few races later. I backed a thing called Chaparish. Oh, yeah. Named after the town. Yep. That paid thirty four bucks. So oh, that's on a harness race, though. That was a, that was a galloper. Yeah, that was a last one. Yep. But you know, I mean, I will be forever haunted by hearing just in the background, <laughs> just hearing correct weight. That we got the number through correct weight there wherever it was, Tavan or something. A lot of Kevin Jeans paid well on the time, one hundred dollars and seventy cents. Was that the trifecta? Was that the Cronella? Because if it's not. There's going to be a very loud complainer. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The only thing is with those bloody machines, there's not a damn thing you can do, is there? Because once it, once it. No, I mean, but what happened was a, a, a guy that we both know, Kevin. I don't know if you know Brian, a great bloke by the name of Shane Templeton. Mm. Yeah, 
was involved many years ago. Now, I don't know what his level of involvement was, but full, full, fair, go, fair play to these guys. There was a group of punters who knew their way around a race race meeting. <laughs> they used to meet at the corner of, I think it was Williams and High, which is not a TAB anymore. It's across the road from the Mount Erica, now long dress. It was oh, a yeah. very small TAB. And they worked out something. That, they just were bidding on the horses, and they sort of noted that the closing times for races were quite slack. You know, sometimes they've gone 20, 30 metres in a race. doesn't mean much in a horse race, but they decided to check it out whether that same slackness applied to greyhound races, and it did. Oh. oh. And they, they organised themselves with cards and windows and whatever to have large amounts of money on dogs that they knew if, it got, if they jumped, couldn't be beaten. Now, it didn't happen every race, but they certainly had a strike rate of a few of these a week. Oh, wow. So, out of panic and out of embarrassment, the TAB in Victoria changed the starting time for races. Green light at the, at the dogs is when the lure starts in motion. Fair enough. At the harness racing, I mean, really, yeah, it, it, it's like 100 metres before the mobile barrier folds its arms back. Yep. And, and they cut off the betting clearly before they jump in horse races. You know, I mean, again, all it takes is one nabob to say, look, uh, we need to make it safer, that famous word, yeah. and you lose another 10 seconds, whatever. Well, it didn't matter until I met this thing called lots of heavy. <laughs> On that, there, there's obviously a delay between uh, when the actual race is run, and I know depending on what service you're watching when I was doing Saturday Racing uh, on the radio, uh, there, there was yeah. a, there's like there is a gap. But if you're trying to oh, get yeah. a bet on on the uh, say online on the TAB, and you're looking at the telly, and you can see them all milling around the back of the uh, the stall still, and you go to put your bet on, and it says no race is closed. That's because they're the the thirty second delay or whatever. They're just putting the last horse in, and then they're off. They're already off. So that's a bit uh, uh, disappointing sometimes for punters too. And you know, you you wouldn't have seen the send off it, Kevin. I'm not, I'm, you know. You didn't drive it or over, but but you know you could have said, "Well, I paid you a thousand bucks for services rendered finally because without me, you never would have backed it." <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. And I tell you what, I did see during the week, and I can't remember where it was, but I was just flicking around looking at stuff. That uh, that donkey Mannix, that horse that you backed once before, that's still oh, going. Yeah. That's, that's still going around. Yeah, Mannix. Mannix. I can get beaten. At 94 in Tasmania. No, and I get on. You know, that, that thing could have, they could have run 800 metres. Well, you want to bet Mannix, we've got a special service. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yes. Oh well. Well, uh, we won't. We won't keep our eyes on lots of Kevy because he won't be that price again. Obviously, the next time that uh, that he jumps in a harness race somewhere around around the oh, state. Lots of Kevy. Oh well. Uh, the, the, those omen bets. They, they can be. Uh, they're, they're, they they come back to haunt you sometimes because you think you're on you know you see something with you know your wife's name or whatever and you go oh yeah I'll, there's a, a little bit of nat over there so I'll, I'll put a couple of bucks on that and it wins and you think okay all the little bits of nat horses we should follow it can be such a uh, trap but it's, you know I also I like doing the form but if I don't I'll pick that something whatever you know just out of interest yeah um not only do I have horses that I back there's a whole range of names that I will never touch. Um, such as the people that have done me wrong. <laughs> so, you know, that's a great list. Of, and there are a few of them have names that um, appear in horse racing names, etc. So uh, I can sort of handle parts of the field like that. It, it's very scientific. Yeah. And you know what? <laughs> and you know what? I, I've made a fortune out of it. I'm, I'm I'm currently, you know, I'm currently driving a loaning a rickshaw off somebody. That's <laughs> yeah, it's it always works. No matter what system you come up with, I've yet to meet anyone who's got their the family fortune. Are you one of those punters who, uh, for instance, if a, a horse is called Bold Empire, uh, you'll never back a horse that's called Bold Anything? Uh, do you do you have that set in your mind? No, I really don't back names. I was just running late and I just wanted to have an interest. I okay. really never back names. I often don't know the name of a horse because I've done the form. I know their colour and their number. But, you know, I, I made a sort of a – and I've done this with you on radio, Kev, and Brian, I don't know if you've spent time in pub tabs or tabs, oh, yes. but I've made a sort of um, a, a, 
a science and a and a bit of a personal quest to categorise all types of human beings that appear in TAB. Oh, and they're all there. <laughs> your TAB has these people, and 500 kilometres away, there'll be a TAB with the same sort of people in there. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's the bloke that will always show you his ticket afterwards because it was that close to winning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. Then there's the one I hate the most is the bloke that backs the 20 to 1 pop and then drags people to the form like, mate, you couldn't not have him. He's a he's down three kilos. He was a, mate, how Robertson was on board. Oh, you're alive. That should have been six to four on. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Yes, there, there, there are the ones. Uh, and the, the, yeah, my there, phone's a bloke. Just quickly. Yeah. There was a bloke at Garden Vale TAB. Always used to back fourth letter L in a horse's name. Really? Right? Oh. Yeah, that was his thing. If the fourth letter was an L, he used to back it. And one day I found a horse that won with the fourth letter L, but it was actually the first letter of the second word, and it was like 25 to 1. Oh. Oh, I took such pleasure in telling him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the, the people, oh, yeah, I knew that would win. I, I love those people who always go, and they haven't backed it, but, oh, yeah, I knew that thing would win. Yeah. Saw it the other day at stall. Yeah. Yeah, don't know why I didn't back it. Yeah, well, because you're an idiot. How about it's all, when they lose, it's all got up, it's all rigged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you've, you've, also, you've also got the guys that only tell you when they won. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. They never, yeah, they never right. tell you when they lost. And you go, how are you going today? And you go, oh, yeah, bad broke even. Bullshit, they lost to that 400. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they're all. Oh, I want a thousand. Yeah, but you put two thousand on yeah, to yeah. win the thousand. <laughs> and then there's the polar opposite to that bloke is the sad sack that is a defeatist before he gets in there. <laughs> you go to him like, he's always got great sayings like, how you going, mate? He goes, it's not the bad luck I wouldn't have had. It. got no luck at all, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and their favourite line, those blokes, is at the start of the day, they come up to you and they go, Oh, gee, I hope I break even today. I could really do with the money. <laughs> <laughs> I think that person might be running the economy of this country, but I'm not quite. I'm not 100 yeah. sure. Uh, and taxi drivers that used to go from one fair, yeah, get a fair, go to the TAB, get a fair, go to the TAB. Oh god! And then they'd find themselves like. 40 suburbs from home with no money and no petrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The old TABs, um, they closed down a lot of them, but they're, they're, they're up and about again, aren't they, Finey? Well, you know, I've, I've moved to a different suburb, and I love it because the blokes are exactly the same. There's a little crew that gets there. And, yeah, I think, they, I think they're enjoying a bit of a resurgence yeah. because those betting terminals allow people that don't want to interact to get on with their business. Uh, the worst thing is you want to get a bet on and it's a proper race coming up at Caulfield in, in a minute and there's a bloke going through every game of the Russian Premier League soccer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, looking at the half-time, what price is Dynamo Kiev at half-time <laughs> to be two or more goals against the Lokomotiv Moscow? <laughs> I, I said, I just met him, I said to one of these blokes, I said, mate, when does, the, when does the game start? He goes, can't you be polite about it? I said, when does the f***ing game start? Move! <laughs> <laughs> there's, generally, there's generally a really small little Italian guy in there too. He's about four foot ten or five foot. Uh, and he's just in there all day. He doesn't go into the bar and get the beer. He's yeah, there looking at the screens all day. You, you, know, you know, the cops in Richmond pulled in this Greek bloke because his son was a big criminal. And they thought they could get to the son through the father. Yeah. And the father wouldn't say a word. And then the senior detective came and said, I know how to make him talk. Turn on a race. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) There's always two Greek blokes talking during the race. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness Ah. me. The cultural delights of the TAB. Oh, yes. It is a beauty in the... And the great oh. thing about the TAB is at the end of the day, you say goodbye to the operator and he, and he says goodbye to you and 
There's only one certain bet, and he knows it. You'll be back tomorrow or the day after. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Is that a, I mean, I've never, I've never uh, seen or even bothered to. And I've only been to America in terms of travelling overseas. But is that a is that a phenomenon just known to us? Oh yeah, the, the ATVs in America are no go zone. They are very, very seedy. Yep. Betting shops in England are a little bit better. Yep. Um, no such thing on the mainland of Europe. When I went overseas, I made a bit of a, a again, a sort of a focal point in my travels, trying to get to race meetings in all different countries. Yep. I, I actually called half a meeting of Greyhound Racing in Mobile, Alabama, on my honeymoon. Yes, I remember you telling me wow. that story on the radio one night. It's, yeah. it's a yeah. fantastic story. It's a great story. Yeah, you know, because, Brian, they called numbers there, not the names of the dogs, just the numbers. Oh. It was really hard. The six from the five, the four, the three... There you go with the two. <laughs> no, I'll stick it up. I'm going to call the name. But because they don't call the name, they've got no limit to the number of letters in a name. Right. <laughs> so the first dog that jumped out was, I'm I'm a pretty little boy in a sandbox and don't I know it. And that was one dog. Oh. <laughs> so, so I'd left my wife, the bride of two weeks, bemused and bewildered down on the main concourse with all the gamblers. This is in the deep south. Oh yeah, nice. And I start calling. I start calling the race, and she said, "Literally everybody on the track stopped looking at the dogs and looked up at the at the speakers, <laughs> as, as though some some guy from Lithuania had, had gone on the airways. They could not understand. A at the end of the race, everybody goes, well, who, now what number won that race? Who won? <laughs> who would nobody know? <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah, it's, it's amazing you didn't get taken out the back and seen to, finally, to be honest. Oh, it was great. That, that race caller on the day, he just said to me, all you got to do is just the, – the, each race, the, they didn't have a rabbit on the lure. They had a giant plastic bone. Oh, God. And, and he, he said the only important thing is just mention the sponsor's name twice during the race. <laughs> but halfway through the race, I go, and still in front of a big plastic phone sponsored by McElhaney Machinery. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get to do the call? What, you just wander up and say, let's yeah. go. No, great. Right. So we arrived on course, and I had a camera. Those days, they weren't connected to phones. But they, they were their own creatures. Oh. And they said I wasn't allowed to bring a camera on course, which is odd because you actually were allowed to bring a gun as long as you had it holstered. <laughs> <laughs> It said there was a sign saying all guns, all personal firearms must be holstered. <laughs> then another sign saying no cameras. Oh, great. God. Now, as I was arguing with Toss, not really, but I said, you know, I'm from Australia. I'd love to take a picture. The race caller came through. And, and he was just this young bloke, great guy. had a big mullet. Looked like Joe Durst. All right. Actually, he, looked like the, he looked like that Tiger King. Um, right. Oh, yeah. And, and he said, and smile, let me, let me kill some hospitality from Australia. They got big dad races. And he said, come up to the Colin Tower with me. You can watch from there. And I said, well, actually, I'll call in Australia, mate. You know, I'll call two trials and then used to call whippet racing. Yep. But still, he didn't need to know. Um, <laughs> and, and he sort of made the announcement. We've got one of Australia's leading greyhound callers here today. <laughs> He's the calling races, 7 through 12. <laughs> yeah. They'll never make that mistake again. <laughs> uh, I am amazed uh, you got out of there alive. I really am. Because uh, it, it was great, it was great fun. But at the end of race twelve, he, he grabbed the microphone off me and said, uh, "Tomorrow's matinee meeting will once again be called by yours truly." <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who wasn't coming back because of me knew that I'd been sacked. <laughs> Wow! Actually, in the in media terms, that's probably one of the more uh, you know elegant ways of being sacked. Finally, than the, than the way most media organisations in oh. this country go about it. And at least, I was, at least at least I was standing next to the person who had the decency to look me in the face. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's a, it's a career that's gone a lot longer than many others. Yes. Well, you know, you, you were there for half a race meeting. That's uh, correct. That, hey. Who was the bloke with the who was the bloke with the crocodile in the tube? Hey, eh? Mulray or Mulray or whatever his name was, Doug Mulray. Yeah, Doug. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For race meeting, 
now you've got half a show. That's 15 minutes. Well, <laughs> if you upset Kerry Packer, that'll happen to you. Yeah. Good old Kerry. Get this crap off. This guy's really off. This guy's really strange. I like his humour. But no. 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 Haven't seen him since. No. Yeah, what? Who was he? Was he a DJ? Yeah, there was yeah, a, it was a shock job, I think. He was the number one uh, breakfast announcer in, in Sydney. Uncle Doug, he was uh, he was huge in Sydney, massive, massive in Sydney. He he actually, to his credit, um, uh, brought through Andrew Denton and uh, Amanda Keller and a whole bevy of people who uh, who went on to be very successful. He was he was sort of yeah, and and, and two marmosets that he had fornicating at the stage. <laughs> the problem was he played all those animal, you know, all the um, animal videos of animals fornicating. Yeah. Which, you know, is, is um, directly funny. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, Kerry didn't like getting shown up. Now, would that yeah. <laughs> Now would that have uh, – I need, I need your help because I don't understand and, it, and I know – call me dumb if you like. I don't know okay. what – I don't know, and I want you two to – because you're worldly gentlemen – don't don't jump in too quick. You're, you're worldly gentlemen who, uh, you know, who, who get around and talk to people and know what's going on. You're both well-read and all that. I don't know. What is wokeness and what does being woke mean? Brian, can you give me uh, some sort of description of it? Because I've seen it written everywhere and spoken about everywhere, but I just – here in beautiful downtown Hoppers Crossing, I just don't get it. I think it means you're aware of everything politically correct. You're not, you know, you're not uh, sitting idly by. You realise that climate change and Black Lives Matter and uh, sexual assault, and you just do everything right. I think, okay. and and then and then what you do is anybody who doesn't agree with you, then you tell them they're a fascist. Okay. Right. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. No. I, yeah. I, I. I appreciate that. Finally, is that how you see woke or, and wokeness? All right. You're going to think that I'm making this up. That it's apocryphal or bullshit. I'm swearing on a stack. Well, not Bibles. They're not my go. I'm staring. I'm swearing on a stack of old footy records. Yep. This happened to me three days ago. I'm in a delicatessen. It's actually a fruit shop deli in Carlisle Street, Dallas, uh, East and Kilda. Yep. And the, the aisles are, they're not stopping aisles, but they're stacked up with jelly. So you can't see beyond your own aisles. And they're playing the radio. And that song comes on, it's a man's world. You know that song? Yeah, every day go, yep, yep. And I've just said, not anymore, it isn't. <laughs> and this woman sticks her head, this woman sticks her head up over the pasta product. And oh. she says, right on, good on you. Good on you. And I'm thinking, no, no, if I didn't correct her, I was thinking, isn't that funny? Because I said it's on a man's world. Uh, when I said it, not anymore it is, and I said it with sort of regret, like it's bloody hard being a man nowadays. Yeah. And she thought that I was woke and I had joined the movement. I was <laughs> moaning the movement. I just didn't see the story from a different perspective. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Right. <laughs> yes. Up her head appeared over the canned Pomodoro and up in the imported pasta. Uh, good, on, good on you. Well, yeah, good on you. Yeah. <laughs> what you trying to prove? It's, it's a very good point. And the other one I want, right. you, I want you to explain to me, what's cancel culture? Brian? Cancel culture? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, um, okay, uh, I don't like, um, I want them cancelled because I want Australia Day cancelled because it's offensive to the Aborigines. I want um, no men to be allowed at the football because they're rapists and sexual assaulters. Right. Okay. Um, I think you cancel things. You don't let people do stuff because stuff like Golden Gate. Oh, we have to change the name of that because somebody yeah, thinks it's, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and, and change it to silver. The silver um, pillow border is a ridiculous. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Uh, yes. All right. Well, now, uh, now, now I have to say. Oh, on the cancel comes, there was a, a collaborative pop band with <laughs> Paul Weller got together with um, 
Boy George. Boy George, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would make more sense and probably would be uh, better to, to cop. Yeah, just uh, the, the, the they've been two things that have been permeating everything I've either heard, seen or read in the last sort of 48 hours. Um, uh, those those expressions have been in there. So I just wanted to get some definitive uh, explanations of them. Thank you, gents. Uh, I don't have a pillow by now. Yes. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah, they're good. Now let's talk footy and talk our footy tips. Let's get to that. It was a, uh, oh. it was not a great oh. week um, for. Oh, um, what's your tip? Uh, five was the best for the week. Finally, you got five. Uh, Brian, uh, you and I both got four. Oh, yeah. but we got, I got the wrong five. Yeah, we got we got railroaded. Richmond railroaded us. St Kilda railroaded uh, all three of us. GWS railroaded all three of us. So there was. Uh, three games where we just didn't score at all. So the current uh, standing, I'm, I'm still on top on 15. Finally's on 14, and Brian, you're on 12. And, of course, yeah. as as we fully expected, Brian, not tipping yeah. the Bombers came to bite you on the bum. Oh, I'm not tipping them again. That's what you said, they can win again. Yep. Oh, okay. But yeah, it, ah. it always happens. You don't, you don't pick them and then they win. All right. So now you're going to go that other, that other typical um, pessimistic football supporter route of I won't pick them and I, I'll win. Look, if it's working, it's working. So I'm not going to pick them again. They can just keep winning with them and right. ruin my footy tips. I don't care. All right. So your, t- your two teams played uh, in the last round. Finally, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a smart ass here, but you must have been devastated by what St Kilda put up because it was pretty poor. All right. So... In isolation, that's the most deflating loss I can ever remember. Not, not the most heartbreaking, heartbreaking the grand finals, the yep. finals, but deflating. You know, given last season, given the preseason, given the good wins against GWS, and given the bad loss against Melbourne that you allow for one loss, and this is the bounce back, against the very inexperienced team that have not, don't know how to win. They've won one, they've won one of their last. 18 games or something, or 14 or 15 games. Um, okay, you can lose to one of those teams. You get jumped and you just can't get back in the game to lose for 10. I'm telling you, that was the most flattering scoreline I've seen for a while. It's just, personally, just not quite interested in their work in a couple of quarters and the fact that the game had to end. <laughs> they were hundreds of points better than control. It was terrible. Yeah. I mean, I've learned something, by the way. If you, this is a home handyman, gentlemen. If you're building a premiership team, use steel, not wood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, not, uh, not, not happy with the young Mason. Is that, is that the inference there? Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming McKernan. So the thing is, I do say this. I went to see Sydney Richmond. And they've got these three kids, Goulden, Logan, and Campbell, who oh, are brilliant. Yes. And they've got other great players as well. And Essendon have got three absolute rippers. I mean, who puts a 200-centimetre bloke on the wing? He is brilliant. Yeah, can't um, Oh, mate. How fast is he? And he kicks beautifully. And Harry Jones is a great hit-up forward. Indiana. Indiana. Indiana, Harrison Jones, you've got to call him Indiana. Yeah, you would. And the other one we got to is Marsha. Marsha Hines. Hines. <laughs> yeah, he's from us. That's yeah, what he is too. Marcia. Yeah, yeah but, you know, we've got McKernan, you got Hines. I mean, let's just say, let's just say, I, I, I don't blame young Sean. They threw him in the rock. He had to battle as much as he could and got absolutely pants. But you've got one bloke at the end of his career and another one that actually Essendon rejected because he was with your VFL team. He loved it until the gave him a chance. He's from the best town in the world. You know where he's from? No. Clunes. I love Clunes. Right. Um, have you been to Clunes? No, I don't think I have. It's in New South Wales, isn't it? No, no, it's in Victoria. It's where Bobby Davis is from. It's oh, near, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the main street there. The shops on one side of the street are untouched from 130 years ago. It's been used in a few movies, but it's the most magnificent. It's a genuine old, old gold frontier town. Beautiful oh, right place. Okay. 
we go to the school, my kids go to, they have a term in Cleves, they've got a property there, so we're back there this year a couple of times. But, I mean, he's a great kid too, I've met me, Cleves. Anyhow, well done, some kids. Yep, yep. Yes. Well, you live yeah, to fight another day. So let's have a look at uh, the games coming up uh, this weekend. Then we'll have a talk about some of the uh, some of the football occurrences because a couple of things uh, have, have staggered me and caught my eye. Swans, okay. Swans, and Essendon will play uh, the opening game of round four Thursday night at the SCG. The Swans are going like a cut cat. Uh, you've got to tip them, haven't you, Finey? Yeah, they're, they're the real deal. And. Essendon, you know what? If Essendon beats them, then Essendon become a real deal. I like the way the season's headed. It's yes, Adelaide, Sydney, it's great for footy. Yep. Now, Brian, what are you going to do? Are you going to tip them or are you going to go against them? What are you, what are you no, doing? No, I'll go Sydney and hopefully they'll prove me wrong again. But, yeah, we'll go for Sydney. All right. I'm going for the Swans. I, I liked what I saw. Didn't see a lot of it, but what I saw, pretty good. Friday night's game is Port Adelaide and Richmond, which probably up until the weekend would have been a blockbuster. It's in, in Adelaide on Friday night. Uh, do Port get your money here, Brian, or what are you going? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. I'm going to go with the Port. I think that uh, Mission will probably bounce back, but I'll, I'll go with Port. Okay. Finey? Very underrated song, by the way. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Oh, yeah. Good song. By the Sweet. By the oh, s- I thought it was a video store. Anyway. Righto. Uh, <laughs> I'm going for Port. Port? Okay, I'm going to go for Port as well. I think Richmond will bounce yeah. back, but I think Port Port's a good side. Uh, Saturday, yeah. we got an early game. Uh, it's I think it's been actually bought forward uh, from its advertised starting time to even earlier, so as they can get some clear air for the uh, the women's semi. But the Bulldogs take on the Lions up at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. I naturally will be going for the Bulldogs, Brian. Um, gee whiz, it's tough. Yeah, I think I'll stick with the Bulldogs. Right. Finey? Sorry? I've just got I've written an SMS. This is a hundred percent I should send it through to you. She said somebody got a buddy today to buy this giant pot for a plant she wants to plant inside. Mm. Do you know what SMS is No. Don't worry about pot, I bought online to deliver. <laughs> I'm going to have the drug squad over here. Yep, you will. No, <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, when they leave Brian's place, I'll get to yours. Um, right. Who, who are you tipping, the Lions or the or the Doggies? That is a great game. I've got to tip the Doggies. You know, I was watching them. Obviously, you had that magnificent win. Isn't it a great effort by those two new players, McNeil and who's the other one? Scott. Yeah, but they actually have kept their place in the team and are of value. You know, oh, yeah. Sort of, they're sort of midfield forwards. <coughs> you, you hardly thought there was a spot for them in the side. What a great effort. They're quite skillful. I love the doggies. I'm tipping doggies. All right. St Kilda take on the West Coast Eagles at uh, Marvel Stadium. 4.35 game on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Finey, are you off the bandwagon? You know what? I'm going to tip St Kilda. Okay. And you know why? No idea. Because when they get beaten, and they will get beaten, I'm not going to say, no one can say, you jumped off them, you're weak. I'll keep tipping them. Yeah. I'll I'll prove, I'll keep tipping and proving that I'm the one, you know, showing some sort of pride in the jumper that the players need to show. Maybe that'll lead the way. Yeah, might do. They might need it. Uh, You going West Coast Eagles, Brian? Is is Nick Natanui playing? Well, I don't, I don't select the team, so I don't know, but I would assume. Uh, I've been watching that uh, making their mark show. Yep. You know that documentary. Yep. And he's just pretty much unbeatable in the ruck. He's what a terrific bloke he is. I, but, um, I found him hysterically funny watching that doco. To be honest. Yeah, you know, it's a really good doco. I thought it was terrific, and um, and I just watching him in the ruck, he just seems unbeatable. So I'm going to, and Josh Kennedy, I'm going to go for the Eagles. Right on. Gold Coast Suns take on Carlton Metricon Stadium up on the Gold Coast. A Saturday night game up there. Uh, gee whiz, that's hard. I think I don't think the Suns are as bad as their record uh, shows. I'm going to go the Suns at home. Finey? I'm going to go to Carlton. I get a sense that Carlton don't know 
not how good they are, but they still don't play to their full capacity, as do Gold Coast. So they're both, hopefully one of them come out of this game with the sort of confidence to <coughs> really have a better season. I think it might be Carlton. Yep. Brian, what do you like, the Suns or the uh, or the Blues? Well, in that, in that documentary series, I quite liked um, watching chubby old Stuart Hughes <laughs> wearing in the coaching box and that, and um, he seems like a good bloke. So I'm going to go for the Gold Coast Suns. I think I'll enjoy the game more, barraging against Carlton than barraging for them. Right. So if we get you to watch a doco uh, next week, you uh, like the you know a Marlon Perkins or a um, yeah a, a David Attenborough doco next week, you'll be tipping all the uh, teams who've got animal names. That's right. I'll be going for all the birds. <laughs> yeah, right, eh? uh, yeah, we'll get you to watch Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds next week, and you pick the Eagles and the Crows, swans, and the Eagles and the Hawks. <laughs> all right, uh, Collingwood and GWS at the MCG on Saturday night. Wow. Uh, could the Giants continue? Could they be four and zip, Finey? They're going to be zipping four. This was supposed to be the year, I think, in Mike Fitzpatrick's planning when they won the premiership. Yep. And the first of many, spearheaded by Buddy Franklin and more top three draft picks than teams could get in 50 years. But uh, you, you can't build the team on that. It's, it's, the logic was so flawed because they just loaded them up with all the top five picks, you know, for five years or whatever. But if you're a top one or two draft pick, you expect to be the gun of the club. Yep. Now, these guys just do not want to sit around having to try to forge their way in football. Have a look where they all are now. Jack Steele, captain of the Gilda, he can hold his head high, I can tell you that. You know, Trelaw, fantastic player, really, isn't he? Yep. And there's 10 or 15 others because <laughs> you can't build the team on that. It was so stupid. And now what they've got is a handful of remaining top picks that don't want to be there. But that club is a real mess. Yeah. It's a pity because Cameron's a good bloke. But they, they are, they're, they're going to be in for a sustained era of winning things or getting things, but they might, you know, they're the sort of things you make case with. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I think they'll get beaten again. Um, Collingwood or GWS, Brian? Um, yeah, I think at the start of the season, I thought Simon Goodwin would be the first coach to get sacked. But I think Leon Cameron's in a bit of bother now. And um, I think Collingwood have been a bit unlucky. Um, they've got a great defence. So I'll go for Collingwood. I hate it, but I will. What about uh, Leon Cameron's performance in that uh, Making the Mark documentary? Did you do you like him more since you've seen him in that, or haven't you got to that bit yet? Yeah, I like I've liked everybody more. I think um, that I saw in that documentary, but I just think that with the resources he's got and the results he's delivering, it's going to come to an end fairly soon. Yeah, but I think finally sit the nail on the head. I think unfortunately, and it, I don't I don't know who's it's probably the structure of it. They're a fairly soulless organisation, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, they've got no culture. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, feel, I feel sorry for their supporters. Stuart is a decent bloke. I leave quite a decent woman, and I, I think the other one's name is Philip. But <laughs> they're something much. <laughs> yes. All right, let's get to the Sunday games. Oh, God, North Melbourne are playing the Adelaide Crows at Marvel Stadium. There'll be three people there, and I think you might have just named them, uh, Fanny. You couldn't possibly pick North Melbourne, could you? Yep. Absolutely consistent, and I am tipping them. What? I remember we, until the start of 1985, I think it was, with the great trifecta. Sydney, Richmond, Carlton, we lost all three games by over 100 points. I mean, it was catastrophic. I remember that first game was at home against Sydney. People were tipping us, and our star rec- recruit was G. Ablett. We've even got Jeff Ablett after. You know. <laughs> 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 if you have Gary, we'll get Jeff after 29 seasons with other clubs. Yep. Anyhow, we lost those first three by 100, right? We then lost the next one by about 50, but then the week after, we beat Fitzroy. Because one thing was, we got a smooth. Greg McAdam actually won the day for us. We were in the game, and you sort of sensed in the players, this is your, this is your premiership, boys. And Adelaide have been underdogs, and that's great fun, but it's a very different being the favourite. So 
I, I, I cannot believe Tex Walker is going to kick six every week. I'm going to sit north. Okay. North Melbourne. Uh, you uh, you on the same drugs that uh, Finey's on, Brian? No, I'm not, uh, Kev. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of Chevy, but um, no, stop it. There's a lot of Chevy. But um, no, I don't think North Melbourne, uh, I think they'll be lucky to win a game. Yeah. I think they won't win this one. I think they might emulate what the Crows did last year and not win one till very late in the season. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm picking. I'm picking the Crows. I haven't seen. I haven't seen a side as bad as North Melbourne for a while. Melbourne take on the Cats at the MCG on Sunday afternoon. This is now a massive game. This one, uh, and I've got absolutely no idea who I'm going to tip here. Well, who do you like, Brian? Um, oh, look, I just they're proving me wrong, but I just don't believe in Melbourne. I just think that they're pretenders. And they're getting ahead of themselves, and so I'm going to go to the cat. Right. The reason they've been disappointing. Funny. Well, the headliner out of the last two weeks must read "Pussies Kissed on the Cock" because they have been <laughs> that lucky. Yeah. Yep. I can't, cannot tell you how lucky I feel they've been in the last two weeks. I think you just did. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can edit that out, but I don't like <laughs> it. <laughs> um, you know, it does sum up the. Fortuitous 2-1 record. Yes, it does. And I am tipping the Demons. The Ds? Uh, okay. Still um, no Paddy Dunn. Yeah, that's true. And they've lost another couple, I think, through injury. So uh, I'm with you, Brian. No, I just I can't, I can't reconcile myself with the fact that Melbourne are going to win another game. I just uh, – no, uh, no, I'm going to go the Cats. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I just, I just can't – no, I have no conviction yeah. whatsoever about Melbourne – to be able to tip them. Frio take on yep. Hawthorne, Optus Stadium in uh, Perth, uh, 4.40 on Sunday afternoon to finish the round off. Are you going Frio, Brian? No, I'm not. I think Pipe's still out. And um, Hawthorne, they're not as bad as people think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I think Hawthorne can get the job done. Okay. Bonnie? I'll tell you one thing. I wouldn't be cancelling any plans you've got to watch the game. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, not, not only are they being teams, but they're ugly chumpers. It's going to look as bad as it looks. Yes. Uh, Fremantle has always had this incredible mindset. You know, their fans are totally – their fans are like goldfish. They have no memory recollection of, of the shameful performances in the state. As long as you're a Fremantle supporter and you get a ticket to the big game on the Sunday, especially if you're sitting in the corporate area yeah. with, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Docker and their children the Dockettes, <laughs> you know, and we won. There are people, honestly, who go to the Dockers, who go to four games a year and think that Fremantle will be undefeated for the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just don't care enough when they play in the state and they don't have to face any consequences when they get home. So they'll beat Hawthorne and it'll be their undoing. I'm tipping Fremantle because I just like them. Okay. Well, whatever floats your boat. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Frio as well, only because it's over there, and uh, I think you're right. I think they, their fans are like goldfish. They don't uh, have any any idea whatsoever what's going on. Um, are we living in a, 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 a society now where three games is enough to tell you who's going to win the Brownlow medal, the Coleman medal, uh, the premiership, and everything else? That the, is that the way the media is, is going these days, that – Everything has to have a result at the end of, like, you know, we all know now who's going to win everything because it's been decided and yet there's still, you know, 150 games to go. Well, Jared Waitley believes that that was indicative of the problems that are now endemic <laughs> within the cup. You know, I mean, seriously, who's he talking to? <laughs> uh, he's, he's, got, he's got it all worked out in Latin. I think I think a lot of the people there's not that many people now in mainstream media charged with the responsibility of talking about football. Kane Corn declared Adelaide the worst team in the history. He said this they they got the worst list in the history of AFL football. I mean, Kane Corn doesn't know the history of football. He only knows his own reflection in the mirror from yeah. his <laughs> <one> days. Um, <laughs> but he said that they're the worst list and the worst team ever. Well, since the AFL started, they're yeah. 2-1. Um, so you don't even need three games. Some people know what's going to happen even before it happens. Yeah. I'm sort of worried. I get caught in this cycle of tipping and what's your final eight. 
I think my strength, and the strength should should lie in analysis of football, not predicting the football, because if it was predictable, why would we get so, get so immersed in it? It'd be boring. Exactly. It's not and it's been anything but predictable this year. In every, I mean, look at our tips and our, our way off the mark. I just wonder sometimes if you take away all the stats, all the, um, all the you know, the, the, the GPS units, the tele trackers, the bloody replays, the, the little round uh, disc things they put on players when they re- play the replays over and can see these six players are running over here and do it. If you took all that stuff away and just actually got half these bods um, that pontificate about the game to actually watch the game and then sit there and and tell you what happened, I reckon half of them wouldn't have a bloody clue. Yeah, I, I yeah. It's always been my contention is watch the game, have a feeling for the game, and then interpret the game. And, and for people that enjoy your take on the game, if you're charged with that responsibility in the media. Now, I think it's a crutch for not people who don't know the game, but people who want to give their version of the game and present it as though it's some Einsteinian theory. And that used to be what I hated about soccer coverage in Australia. Now, I know Les Murray passed away and people get canonised when they die, but I held Les Murray personally responsible for the very slow uptake of the general population in soccer in Australia. It's a great sport. In fact, so great that all my misery melted away this morning when West Ham won 3-2 away at Wolverhampton to oh, move wow. into the coveted top four position. An amazing story. But the reason why Australians didn't embrace soccer is because SBS covered it and Les Murray would sit there with his, you know, his mate Branco, um, Branco Colina and before the game or during the game, they come back at half time and they're trying to outdo each other with their brilliant interpretation of the game, as though no mortal could understand it. You know, yeah. Les would say, in what a great game, Bronco, here Australia has been befuddled by the Vermonian gambit. It, 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 it strikes me as something that sort of pushed us with the done of the day. <laughs> it's, it's true. That's true. It's true. Except for ourselves, Jason, every one of the players out there is having problems with the pushkas. Push. Um, and and only you know that's no way to get people to embrace the game. And now you've got the same thing happening in footy, where David King, I don't oh. nobody likes being told at quarter time this is what's happening. And when David King comes up, he goes, "What North are doing? What's happening is, in other words, you can't see it. You don't know what's happening, but I know what's happening. Yeah. You know what I know, David." I know that Fox Footy are no longer sending teams to the game. So you're not seeing the whole ground. You're seeing what I'm seeing. Yeah. And you're getting advanced stats because Fox pay for them. And you can jam them up your ass. And I'm, <laughs> I like Kimmy. I like Kimmy. But those stats, what's the saying? Statistics, lies, and damn lies, and more. You, yeah. can make, you can make statistics. You can make statistics. Mate, Dan Andrews is good, bro. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. And I tell you, that's from your perspective. i tell you what would really stuff up the commentators if you took it away from them. What? And that's the ball. You seem to try and commentate the game without a ball. That'd be useless. <laughs> no, that's a very, very good point. Actually, watched a little bit of Footy Classified last night. I was in some sort of, um, you know, self-loathing mood. Um, and uh, Chris Scott was on it, and he actually did talk about the fact that he said, I feel for the champion data guys at times because of some of the stats that they're, they're producing. Um, basically, he said, uh, are not being used by anybody and he wondered why they bothered. But there was a couple where he said, this one is important and this one is important. But the, the game is just littered now with so many statistics of different things that are so totally actually irrelevant to what's happening if you open your eyes and look at the game unfold. You know those ranking points that champion data do? Yep. Did you see the ranking points from Bulldogs North Melbourne? No, I must have been. I, I don't look at them. This is, I think best man on the ground or second best man on the ground was Jack Zebel. What? Jack Zebel's, Jack Zebel's job was to sit deep in defence and after the Bulldogs had exhausted themselves kicking five goals in three minutes, pick up a ball that may drop short or get some useful kick in 
from the golf squares at the behind post. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, real, seriously. Best player in the world is Jack Gleeson. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's uh, that is that is absolutely ridiculous. Now, or, or any any final thoughts on uh, on the footy before we head to our chart attack uh, segment? I got one thought. Mm-hmm. Both play footy in thirty two degree heat because I went to Richmond, Sydney, and that was the hottest day I had ever been at the football. Oh, hot, it was hot. It was hot. It was You know, we weren't undercover. It was like being at the cricket. You know. Bay 13 at 5 in the afternoon. Yep. Any well, final thoughts from you, Mr Mannix, on the, on the football or sport in general? Any other comments you'd like to make? Um, I wish all the competitors well. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I wish them well. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Oh, Kind of guy put, I am, put, the, put the other Brian back on. Yeah. yeah <laughs> the, the Brian, Brian Mannix, special comments for the uh, coming up this week for the Essendon game. Can't wait for that. Ah, fantastic! You'd be good. You'd be good at special comments. We wouldn't be able to hear most of them because they get beeped out. But you'd be good at the footy. Oh, like I could commentate the footy very well. What's his dickhead doing? (laughs) Oh, God, mate! Oh, just throw the towel and go home. You're just embarrassing yourself. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Hey, Brian. Are you in your relation to the manic who used to play for Coburg? Because he was a bloody champion. That was me. Yeah, no, no, I don't think era, so. That era of VFA, I, I was fortunate enough when Pete German was coach of Coburg, they used to use me for their best and fairest nights and their Hall of Fame nights. And right. I was there I was there when oh, who was their halfback flanker? Um, oh, he, he went down with him and couldn't get he was the he got elevated to the Hall of Fame with Legion Stable. He was the toughest Oh, what was his name? Well, it will come to me in a moment. But he told the story that by accident in his first game in the seniors after playing two years in the reserves, he knocked somebody out. And the coach was Harold Martin. Harold Martin said to him after the game, he goes, oh, uh, his surname was Price. Remember Price for Coburg? Price, no. He was a great player, Price. Um, so he said to him, Pricey, you're not very skillful. You're not very good. But you knock out one bloke a week, I'll keep you in the team. <laughs> and he said, "And he said, you know what? Sometimes early in the last quarter, I used to think, shit, I'm running out of time. <laughs> Trevor Price. His name was Trevor Price. God, <coughs> Trevor Price. Oh, yeah, now hang on. The name does ring a bell. Oh, boy, oh, boy, those days. Yeah. <laughs> now, we move on to our chart attack segment, boys. All and, right. And we've got a, I've got an ARIA chart from October 7, 1990, but. Before I get to that, there is some feedback from last week, ah. as you would expect, and as you both should have expected because, uh, seriously, uh, let me read. Finey turning up his nose at the Beach Boys was bad enough, but Brian, serious? <laughs> no, I love Brian, and I'm proud to call him a friend, always will be, but his comments cannot go unchallenged. He hates ah. the who? Is he real? He hates yes, them, he but he's, he hates them, but he's never heard Magic Bus? What? The clincher, though, <laughs> is that they lost him when Roger Daltrey wore a light blue body shirt in the Who Are You film clip. Again, That's it. what has Brian <laughs> I'm not saying so, I'm, I'm reading this. I'm, this is from the letter. Has Brian yeah. seen any of the clips or remember what he wore in the 80s? The skin tight leggings. The yeah. Le- yeah. 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 The leopard well, skin. The fl- hang, hang on. I haven't finished. <laughs> The leopard skin lap lap. Yeah. And for that matter, has anyone seen what he's been currently wearing of late, the absolutely 80s gigs? Well, just just black, Mm. you know. Yeah, but. This this person does raise some fair points. Yes. There's no denying that. Um, (laughs) I I guess it does seem a little shallow to not like the who because of a light blue body shirt. But I only like Roger Verduris because he had a red V-neck jumper. So, <laughs> you know. Oh, you have a history of shallowness, so it's all right. Well, uh, you're, yeah. telling me, you're telling me you prefer Roger Verduris to Roger Daltrey in the Roger contest. <laughs> yes. I, oh, well, I think you know, I, I like the big red Roger rather than the little blue Roger. I think you need Rogering. I think that's what you need. 
Brian. I think you've something seriously wrong with you that you'd close close the blinds if uh, if the Who were playing in your backyard. That is sacrilege. Now, isn't it a shit? Isn't it a shit name though, Roger? <laughs> Roger. <laughs> Who was the lead figure of Little Who was the lead figure of Little Heroes? Roger, Roger Hart. Hart. There you go. But what about the James Bond actor? Roger Moore. Moore yeah. Rogering. Yeah, Roger Moore. <laughs> The old yeah. Hey, hang on a minute. Brian's not exactly one of the world's most potent names. No, no. It's right up there with Derek and Nigel. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I wouldn't, yeah. be, I wouldn't be poking too much fun at uh, Roger as a name. What's your middle name, Brian? Francis. Francis. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we've, yeah, got a, we, we've got a couple of minutes for October 7, 1990, so shoot me a number, Finey. I hated the 90s for music. Mm. I'm going I'm to end up with something by, what's his name from, what's his name from, um, um, what's his, uh, yeah, what's Stevie Nixon's Fleetwood Mac? Yeah. Who's the guy that was Lindsay Buckingham. Oh, I'm going to end up with something from him. Um, I'll go to 21. 21. Uh, oh, no, better than, uh, well, could have been Lindsay Buckingham. Taylor Dane. Remember Taylor Dane? Yeah. Love Will Lead You Back. Remember that song? No. No, I don't remember the song, but I remember Taylor Dane. Big, uh, tall, blonde woman. Blonde. Yeah, yeah. Looked like, looked like she was Warwick Capper's older brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect description. <laughs> Taylor Dane did look like Graham Kappa's older brother. Uh, all right, shoot me a number, uh, Brian. I'll have number 10. Number 10. Oh, you can sing this one too because you would love this one. It's Mariah Carey's Vision of Love. Oh, but God's sake. <laughs> yeah, well. That woman, that woman is just atrocious. She's portrays herself like she's some sex goddess and she's a little round dumpling. She's, <laughs> she's, she's shit. And she's got a head like a bubble. Um, there's absolutely nothing good about this woman. Uh, oh, she, she, did, she did take Zoe Packer for a ride, that's something. Yeah, and she hired Jeff, uh, the comedian, to entertain him at a party, which he tells a very funny story of. But no, she is a fat bubble with makeup on, and she can go and get stuff. Right. Uh, don't, don't body shame her. She's shit out without body shame. Yeah, exactly. She rooted her way to the top. She oh. was going out with Tommy Martola, and you know that's why there was all this push to get Mariah Carey records played. Because she was going out with the boss of CBS or Sony. Mm. So yes. she just, you know, opened her purse and away she went. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to shoot a number and I'll go for 17. All right. 17, 17, 17. Oh, it's, my, it's our old mate. It's John Farnham. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and they're using, they're using this in, a, uh, in an ad, but they're using a really slowed down version of it and I think a female singing it. That's Freedom. Yeah. It's on an ad. It's a, an ad for a bank, I think, um, at the moment. Sure. It wasn't a, a mattress. No, <laughs> that's like that. That's like that slow female version of Sounds of Them, which is really annoyingly. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, late at night, they're playing that one as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's out on the patio. We yeah, I've heard that one too. It's really slow, you know. I mean, seriously. Oh, that's that's a farce. To, re, to reappropriate songs to make the younger generation think, oh, what was that song? You know, Sounds of Them. Was Bloody good when it came out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally agree. All right, Brian, shoot me another number. Um, I have number eight. Number eight is... That's <laughs> Number eight. I like this song. Uh, English duo called Go West, and the song was called The oh, King yeah. of Wishful Thinking. Not a bad song. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That one. Yep, that's it. Good song. King. Yeah, they were good go yeah. west. They had a couple of hits. I can't remember what the other one was. Yeah. They did okay. that. Well, we'll we'll let them live. Yep. All right. They've they've uh, they've made it through to the uh, the next round. Uh, another uh, another number, please, Mister Fine. I'll go for 
31. 31, the Ron Barassi number. Uh, oh, well, this is uh, very timely. And uh, again, finally, you've, you've picked one out that's very topical for Brian and myself. Number 31 is Can't Stop Falling Into Love by Cheap Trick. And the reason that's timely is because uh, the latest uh, episode of the Life of Brian podcast is out and uh, one of the guests is Robin Zander, the lead singer of Cheap Trick. He was a good bloke, wasn't he, Brian? He was a very good bloke. And the other person is, of course, our favourite, Rocky Burnett. Yes, who's, who's got just the best story about an Australian television icon you'll ever want to hear. Uh, yes. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll shoot a number now. Yeah. I always thought the paid by because as a, as a youngster, I don't know why, but I really liked Green Police. That was Cheap Trick, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And and none of their songs were any, ever anything like it. Or I, I kept giving them a chance. Is this one going to be better? No, no, no. Where was the old Green Police-style out there music? Yeah, they didn't. Uh, yeah, they, they they sort of they're a funny band. They've done a lot of like hard rocky sort of stuff, but they have done the odd ballady sort of thing. I actually jumped in the car yesterday and heard The Flame um, being played on the radio, which is quite unusual. Uh, yeah, no, Dream Police is a good song. Yeah, so it's Surrender. Oh, Surrender's a great, I love Surrender. I Want You To Love Me, it's a good song. Well, so um, you've, just, you've just mentioned songs that are off that Budokan album, which we found out when we talked to Robin Zander, they didn't actually like the Budokan album at all. No, they I, didn't. I thought it was terrible. They hoped it wouldn't yeah. be released anywhere else in the world except Japan. Yeah. And the new album's a beauty too. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. It's really good. All right, yeah. I'm going to go up the top and I'll go for number one. I'll tell you what the top five on October 7, 1990 were. Uh, number one, come on, Brian, give us a, a quick uh, belt out uh, this one for me. John Bon Jovi, Blaze of Glory. Oh. <laughs> Did he get it? Is that one who's got the six string, a loaded six string on his back? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. No, that's one of Dead or Alive. Yeah, yeah. That's going down in a blaze of glory. Oh, he's just dreadful. He's just a – just, that's a shit song. It was written for the Young Guns movie with Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen and Keith Sutherland. And no, no, get off one over you suck. All right, number two, sing me some Maxi Priest close to you. Can't do that for you, kid. I uh, can't remember. You know, it's, uh, it's, nah, a, it's a little right. the reggae kind of a soft reggae song. I just want to be close to. It's actually a good song. It's not the Carpenters song. Number three. Oh, I know. I like you, I, now I know you can sing number three. In excess, suicide blonde. We've gone there, you suicide blonde. Yeah, yeah. Okay, not the best work. No, um, and I don't really like the harmonica in it. I know it's played by some really great harmonica player, but. No, it doesn't really do much for me, that song. Buster Move by Young MC was number four. Yeah. Not doing it for me. Uh, number yeah. f- number five, you'll be able to do a great version of this because I know how much you love this song, Lay Down Your Guns by Jimmy Barnes. Actually, that's not a bad song. It's got a pretty good riff. Got a good riff. Yeah, yeah, it's got a real good riff. Um yeah, I think that's actually one of Barnsley's better solo records. All right. Number uh, six was Epic by Faith No More. Good song, that. I oh, like that. Ripper. Yeah. That's a beauty. Uh, number seven was yeah. Joey by Concrete Blonde. That's a beauty. All right. That's a ripper. Number eight, we mentioned King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. Chain Reaction from uh, Farnham was number nine. Oh, uh, yeah, written by Dave Stewart from the Eurythmics. Yeah, number 10 was Vision of Love by Mariah Carey. So there's uh, – and number 11, just missed out on the top 10, was MC Hammer, You Can't Touch This. Oh, get the parachute pants out. Yes. I actually played that on the radio on the weekend. Couldn't believe I played it. You know, that can't touch, you can't touch this and buff the movie. They're both pretty cool, iconic, <clears throat> early raps. You know, they, yeah. they are great pieces of, sort of living – historical music and whether you like that sort of music or not, it's up to you, but you've got to admit that they are sort of famed frontiersmen in that genre of oh, music. absolutely. And, and, and that shitbag, bag, John Bon Jovi, has always been a Brian Maddox wannabe. Yes, exactly and right. <laughs> and should have him should hang his second-class mullet and head in shame. <laughs> yes. He's a poor man's me. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, he's a sort of a rich man's you, but yes. poor dude. Yeah. He, took, he took my money. 
Yes. Got, I was supposed to have had the big career in America, and he's got it with his bullshit teeth and his crappy hair, dude. <laughs> yeah, I've always, I, I don't like, you know what? I don't like Angsovi on pizza or Bonsovi on a record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there. uh, there's a there's a T-shirt slogan waiting to be uh, printed by someone I would have thought funny. Yeah. I, I, I always just like Bonsovi. You know, I mean, giant, giant concert performances playing in front of 495,000 people and they are, you know, they're sort of an operatic version of an all-boy band. They, they are, they're one of the pioneer boy bands for me and just because they're brothers doesn't mean they weren't having sex with each other. Oh, stop yeah. it. Um, yeah, I actually, I must admit, the one Bon Jovi song I really do like is Living <laughs> on a Prayer. I've always liked that. I just can't thought, sing it anymore. He too can't. High for it. Oh, too high. Yeah, too okay. operatic. So we always get the audience to sing that bit now. Oh, okay. Put the mic out of them because he can't hit it. Okay. So I'm told. Hey boys, we've come to the end of another rock and roll. It's been uh, been fun as always, and a joy uh, to be part of. Thank you both, and uh, have a good week. And we'll convene at the same time in the same podcast area next week. Fantastic! See you, boys. Lots of bloody Kevin. And on that note, see you, boys. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.